When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues, like flames of fire that were divided, appeared to them and rested on each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages, as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because they each heard because they each because each one heard them speaking in his own language, and they were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who lived in Mesopotamia, in Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Familia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking the magnificent acts of God in our own languages. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this be? But some sneered and said, they're full of new wine. But Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and proclaimed to them, men of Judah and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. As it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my male and female slaves in those days, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and remarkable day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Come and start a campaign in church, and I want you to get on board with me. I've got a Facebook campaign planned. I've got a marketing strategy planned. It's a campaign to reclaim Pentecost. As I prepared this week, I kind of been scratching my head. I'm like, we as the Christian church, we, every single year, we, we celebrate the incarnation of Christ. We call that Christmas. Everyone flocks to church to celebrate Christmas. And we as a Christian church, we, we, we remember the, the crucifixion, the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. We call that what? Good Friday. And then three days later, there's massive celebration because we celebrate the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The tomb is empty. Hallelujah. Here's my question. What's happened to Pentecost? Why don't we celebrate Pentecost? Let's think about it. If, if there was no Pentecost, then the Spirit of God has not come. And if the Spirit of God has not come, then, then you and I can never be seated here as regenerate, born-again believers in Christ, because you need the Spirit of God to do that. If there was no Pentecost, the Spirit of God has not come. And if the Spirit of God has not come, then they wouldn't have the Scriptures, because the Scriptures were inspired by the Holy Spirit, and you couldn't understand them because you need the Spirit of God to illuminate the Scripture to you. 
if Pentecost didn't happen and the Spirit didn't come, then you and I could never become more like Christ. Because we need the Spirit of God to, to transform us and to sanctify us and to change us. And you know you can't do that by yourself, don't you? If the Spirit of God did not come, then you'd be sitting here tonight with absolutely no assurance that you really are a child of God. Because your failures would, would eat you up and you're going, there's no way in the world that I could be called a child of God. If Pentecost hadn't happened and the Spirit of God did not come, there would be no church. Because those first disciples, they were ordinary men and women. They were powerless to preach the gospel. They needed the Spirit to empower them to take the gospel to the nations. We would not be sitting here in Kiribati in 2015 celebrating Pentecost if the Spirit had never come. So why don't we celebrate it? Why is it like kind of the misting festival of my church calendar? Now, we have celebrated 10 years of Church by the Bridge. That's a great milestone, isn't it? But Pentecost was the day that the church was born. Pentecost is the church's first birthday because that's when the people of God gathered together, filled with the Spirit of God for the very first time and proclaiming the greatness of Jesus Christ. We need Pentecost. We need to understand what happened at Pentecost and why it really matters. We're in Acts, and in Acts chapter 1, Jesus has given his disciples a an impossible mission, a mission impossible. He's told them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And they're waiting, and they're waiting for the Spirit to come. I wonder whether they are thinking about what Jesus told them. Remember the last words of Jesus? Go and make disciples of all nations. Then what do you say? And I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And he is, you know. Jesus is with us always in every country, in every generation to the very end of time because the Spirit has come. I wonder what they thought about when Jesus said, it's better for you that I go. Because if I go, the Spirit will come. And it really was better that Jesus left because the Spirit has now come. And so we can believe and we can proclaim and we can live here in Kiribati as worshippers of Jesus Christ. Praise God for Pentecost. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8 that by, by the Spirit of God that we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. Uh, you can go home tonight and you can sit in your living room or your bedroom or your kitchen or wherever you pray and just call out to the Heavenly Father as your Daddy, as someone who cares for you and knows you and loves you because the Spirit of God has come. Remember Romans 8 again, it says, um, there's times in your life when you don't know what to pray for, ever been on your knees, you just haven't got a clue what to pray for. And Paul says in Romans 8, at those times the Spirit of God intercedes for us with, with groans that words can't express. He's praying on our behalf. 
because of Pentecost. Or, you know, in Galatians chapter 5, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We would be very ugly people if the Spirit of God had not come. Uh, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, No one can say Jesus Christ is Lord unless the Spirit inspires them and prompts them. And we've all got different gifts here tonight. Where do those gifts come from? The Spirit of God. We've got to be here tonight praising God for Pentecost. Because those first disciples obeyed the command. They took the gospel to the ends of the nations. We're sitting here in Australia because the Spirit of God has come. Let's praise God for Pentecost. I wonder how they felt, those first disciples. Jesus said in chapter 1, verse 4, He said, wait. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the Father's promise. He said, this is what you heard from me, for for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And I wonder whether they scratched their head and went, what on earth does that mean to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? I wonder what they expected when the Spirit of God came. would Would it hurt them? Would they feel him? Had Jesus warned them and told them what to expect? We don't know. But we do know, chapter 2, verse 1, when the, the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Let me just cl- clarify there. Pentecost is not a new idea. Uh, so Pentecost was one of the three Jewish festivals. You had the festival of tabernacles, you had the festival called the Passover, and then you had Pentecost. And Pentecost comes from the word 50. It's 50 days after Passover. It's a festival when you celebrate the giving of the law. It's a festival when God in his wisdom would bring uh, thousands of Jews up to Jerusalem and the population would swell from 50,000 to 200,000 people to celebrate Pentecost. And so the day is there and they gather together in one place and look at verse 2. Suddenly there's a a sound like a, a violent rushing wind. When you read that, please don't think a nice gentle breeze. Please don't think a, a quiet, reverent church service. The word therefore is, is, is a tornado. It's a violent wind. And if you've ever seen the film Tornado, if you've ever experienced a tornado, there's nothing quiet about it, is there? It's a deafening noise. And it comes from heaven, verse 2. And it fills the whole house, verse 2, because God is coming. Uh, there's, the, there's the sound, there's the sight in verse 3. Not just a tornado, but an inferno. A tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared to them and rested on each one of them. There's a sound, there's a sight, there's a speech, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they suddenly began to speak in different known languages as the Spirit gave them. They suddenly spoke Parthian and Medes and Elamites and Egyptian and the language of Libya. Let's be really, really clear. This is not your normal Sunday gathering of church. This is noisy. 
It's a massive noise. There's a spectacular sight. There's a miraculous speech happening. What is happening at Pentecost? Who is coming? God is coming. God is coming in a new way. God is coming in a way that he had promised for thousands of years, but God has come in a way that has changed church for the rest of history. Because the Spirit of God has come. And you've got to read Acts chapter 2 through the lens of an Old Testament believer. So, so when the first disciples heard the wind, what would they think? They'd think, God is here. In 1 Kings chapter 9, when the prophet Elijah left the cave, how did he know that God was with him? A violent wind shook the place. When God's people stood at the, the Red Sea, fearing for their life, how did they know that God was there? The wind came and divided the Red Sea. In Ezekiel chapter 1, when Ezekiel had his vision of the glory of God, how do you know God is there? Because of the whirlwind. You see, wind in the Bible is a symbol for God's powerful presence. God is with them. How did Moses know that God was with him? How did, how did Moses know he'd met with God? When we first met with God, how did he know it was God? Because the bush was burning. There was fire. And as the people wandered through the wilderness, how did they know that God was with them? Because there's a pillar of fire with them, always. And those two symbols of wind and fire in the Bible are always symbols that God is with you. On that very first Pentecost, there's a tornado, there's an inferno. And I bet they're going, could this be the day? Could this really be the day that God had promised? No, they knew their Bibles, they knew Ezekiel 36 where he'd promised that on that day the Spirit of God would live in you. And they knew their Bibles, Ezekiel 37, you know the, the valley of dry bones and what happens when the Spirit of God comes to those, those dry bones? They have life. They live. Uh, they knew their Bibles, Jeremiah 31. In that day, when the Spirit of God comes, the Lord will be written on your heart because you can't keep it. They knew their Bibles, Joel chapter 2. On that day, when the Spirit of God comes, it won't just come on people, it will come in people. And the Spirit of God won't just come for the prophets and the priests and the kings and the important people. Uh, Joel chapter 2 tells you that on, on, the, the, on that day, the Spirit of God will come on all people. On men, on women, on young boys, on old men, on male slaves and on female slaves. And Peter stands up and he preaches and says, look, they're not drunk. This is the day. This is the day we've been waiting for. I love the Holman because when it quotes from the Old Testament, it quotes in bold. Do you see that in verse 17? He's quoting from Joel chapter 2. And it will be on that day, says Joel. But that's not what Peter preaches. And it will be on this day, in the last days. Because this is the day. This is the day that's been promised when the Spirit of God will come. And I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Now what's happened back in chapter 2 verse 4? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a unique day in history. 
because God is here. What does it mean? Why does it matter? Two really quick things. It's about God's presence. Because the Spirit of God has come, God is with us always. That promise, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, that's true because the Spirit of God lives in us. God takes up residence within every believer, every man, every woman who proclaims Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Saviour. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're baptised with the Holy Spirit. And if you've never understood what that means, it just means that God comes and lives within you and transforms you. Have you grasped what it means to be filled with the Spirit? You know, if you lived 4,000 years ago, you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't even come close to God. Uh, you'd come to the temple and you, you'd see the smoke and you'd hear the thunder and, and you would tremble before him. And because of Pentecost, it says that same God now lives in you because you're a temple to the Holy Spirit. How does that work? Because God sees you like clean and pure and perfect because of Jesus and so he takes up residence within you. How, how do you know you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit? It's really simple. You're calling Jesus Christ your Lord and Saviour and, and you know it every day. You know, you know when you're reading the scriptures and you, you come to that bit of scripture and you go, wow, that is life changing. That's the spirit at work in you. Do you know that time in your Christian life when you, you really struggle you feel like part of your sin is being exposed and you really don't like it and you fight against it and then suddenly you want to change and you're empowered to change. That, that's not you working. That's God working in you by his spirit. And the times in your Christian life when you are really questioning and doubting and struggling and God places somebody in your life and points you back to the cross and points you back to Scripture. That, that, that's the work of the Spirit, assuring you that you really are a child of God. And there's times in your Christian life when you really don't know how you're going to cope with life. And the Spirit just brings a word or a person into your life. That's the work of the Spirit. If you're here tonight and you, you've said, Jesus Christ is my Lord, he died for me, I believe that. Don't let anybody say you do not have the Spirit of God in you. Don't let anybody say that you need this subsequent baptism. And when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, God lives in you always. And he's the one who will take you to glory. He's the one who will keep you. It's not down to you. It's God's powerful presence. But why did the Spirit of God come on these first people? What was his purpose? What was his goal? Look again at verse 4. Uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. And there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one of them heard them speak in his own language. And they were astounded and amazed and said, aren't all these people Galileans? They just speak Greek and Aramaic. How is it that we're going to hear each of us in our own language? 
Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene. I love this about God, that God has given his disciples this massive mission. He's taken ordinary men and ordinary women. There's not a theology degree in sight, is there? None of them, any course in evangelism, they are ill-equipped. They're not preachers, they're not evangelists. He's told them to take the gospel to the nations. He said, I'll give you a, I'll give you a helping hand. In my wisdom, I'm going to bring people from every nation to you for this festival called Pentecost. And there's people there from Iraq and from Iran and from northern Africa. They come to Pentecost, a bit like a G20 summit where they all come to one place from different nations and then they hear the message and they go back to their home country. But God miraculously gives these men these ability to speak different languages. It would be a bit like me flying over to Malaysia to be a missionary and leaving tomorrow morning. And just as I hand over my Australian passport without my visa, I miraculously get in and suddenly I start speaking Malaysian. I start speaking Mandarin or Cantonese. I haven't learnt it. That's what happens at Pentecost. Now why does God do that? The word used for different tongues here in Acts chapter 2 is not the word used in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. You know 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 where it talks about the gift of speaking in tongues? That supernatural gift that's given to some Christians, not to all Christians, to some Christians. Uh, the word there is, is the unintelligible speech where, where you're praying with your God and uh, you don't know what to pray and suddenly you start speaking this gibberish, this un- unintelligible language. But it, it, it draws you close to God. It's edifying for you because it's you speaking to God. That does exist. That's not what he's talking about in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, it is known languages. It's known dialects. They're suddenly speaking Cantonese. They're suddenly speaking Afrikaans and Spanish and Australian. And God gives us this gift so that the gospel can go out. They're not talking to God, are they? They're talking to other people about Jesus. See, God empowers his men and empowers his women to take the gospel out. That's what Pentecost does. Now, what was it they talked about? When they're empowered by the Spirit of God, what do the men and women of God talk about? They don't talk about church structures and church governments. They don't debate infant baptism. They don't talk about church music. They don't talk about church marketing. They don't talk about the the curl of the church carpet. Look at verse 11. What do they talk about? Can someone tell me? The magnificent acts of God. See, so that, that's a mark of a man or a woman who is filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit. They can't stop talking about God. I'd love to have been there at that first Pentecost. Can you imagine being there and hearing in your own tongue for the very first time that there's this man called Jesus because you'd never heard of him before and this man called Jesus had a friend called Lazarus and Lazarus died but Jesus had the power to raise him from the dead and this man called Jesus he claimed to be God this man called Jesus had the power to forgive sins and this man called Jesus went to the cross and this man called Jesus he rose again that's what they talked about Jesus 
That's the mark of the man or the woman who's baptized with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. They can't stop talking about Jesus. Oh, our church video. See that baptism of Sam Milgate? And Dave Jensen's there alongside him, praying. There are two men where there's a marked change when they become Christians. How do you know the Spirit's at work in them? Because they can't stop talking about Jesus. If you know Dave, wherever you go, he's talking about Jesus. Whoever he meets, he's talking about Jesus. That's the mark of the Spirit-filled person. You're empowered, you're emboldened through your own personality. Some of us will be loud, some of us will be quiet, some extrovert, some introvert. That's okay. But we talk about the magnificent acts of God. Why? Because we want God to grow his church, don't we? You see, we may not experience the, the, the violent tornado. We might not experience the flames of fire. We might not be given the gift of speaking Cantonese or Afrikaans or Spanish. But let me ask you, do you, do you think that verse 41 could happen? With these spirit-empowered preachers, So those who accepted his message were baptized and on that day about 3,000 people were added to them. I remember hearing a sermon on Pentecost, my first sermon on Pentecost back in the UK and the preacher said, of course that was a unique event, we should never expect 3,000 people to become believers on one day. Why not? God can do that, can't he? Do you believe that? Do you believe that by spirit-empowered, spirit-filled men and women who are going out there preaching the gospel, 3,000 people can become Christians on one day. Do you think God is able to do that? Of course he is. The problem is that often we doubt it. You know, we put on cowards under the bridge every year and what, 3,000 people, 5,000 people turn up. Here's a confession for you. I go home and I don't expect all of them to become believers. Why not? Why do I doubt? If you've got bold proclamation of Jesus Christ crucified, died, risen, ascended, if the gospel is being preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, why can't God do that? I'm not saying he will, but he could, couldn't he? If you and I were just more convinced and persuaded that, that we have the power of God in us and our everyday conversations... As opportunities arise, we talk about Jesus. We talk about how he's changed our lives. We talk about who he is and what he's done. And then we leave it to God to save souls. Uh, we can't convert people. That's the Spirit's job. But we can be messengers. We can be ambassadors. And we can be Spirit-empowered ambassadors. I love this quote from D.L. Moody. You might as well try to see without your eyes and hear without your ears or breathe without your lungs as to try and live the Christian life without the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. But so many of us do, don't we? So many of us do. God is with us. God empowers us. 
Do you believe that you, little you, could be an ambassador for Christ to take the gospel to the nations? You can. I can. Because God is with us. You know, praise God for growth in this church. From 10 people, Ian and Linda, you're two of those, to 42 on that first night. To what? 550 adults, 150 kids today. That is remarkable growth. But let's not be satisfied. You know, it'd be wonderful to have 10 services on a Sunday here and another five across Lavender Bay and having to hire halls all over the land or shore because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. God can do it. The question is, are we on his team? Are we part of that mission? Let me pray. Spirit now living and dwelling within us. Keep our eyes fixed ever on Jesus' face. Father God, we thank you for Pentecost. We thank you the Spirit has come. The Spirit is here. We thank you, Father God, for the assurance he brings us, the comfort he brings us, the way he leads us, the way he guides us, the way he assures us, the way that he illuminates the Scriptures, the way that he convicts our hearts for the way that he provides just what we need, just when we need it. We thank you, Father, for the, the power that he gives weak fearful, timid people to talk about Jesus. Father, we pray for revival. We pray that in this suburb, in this nation, the gospel would go out with power and that you would be pleased to save many souls. In Jesus' name, amen.